0: podcast answer man episode number 278 entertaining educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference this is gsbn.tv join the community hi this is leo laporte of this week in tech and you're listening <laughs> you're smart to cliff ravenscraft he is the podcast answer man Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show and everything else you do in life to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. That's right, my friends, and taking things to the next level even applies to folks over at MySpace. I'll talk about that in just a moment. In fact, I want to tell you just a little bit up front here what we're going to cover in this episode, this 278th episode of Podcast Answer Man. First off, I will talk about the feed burner fears that are soaring higher than they have ever soared before. Uh, with something that's happened recently with with FeedBurner. If you're a podcaster, you're probably already well aware of the issue. And if you haven't heard my thoughts, I'll share them here. Also, media hosting for your podcast. I had a question about flat fees versus pay per gigabyte. We'll talk about services like Amazon S3 and anybody else that wants to say, hey, you know what, rather than pay a, a monthly fee, flat fee for something that you may or may not use, Why don't you just pay this little tiny amount per gigabyte and uh, you'll be better with us. Go ahead. Sign up now. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Also, I'm going to give you an interview tip that you don't want to miss. If you can actually take this tip and apply it to all of the interviews that you do, it will drastically increase the outcome of your interview. That is, of course, if it applies to you. We'll talk about that in this episode. Also, during our social media segment, we've got Eric J. Fisher standing by, and he is going to share with us a little bit about what's going on with Twitter. Is the follower account a thing of a past? Also, we're going to talk about the return of MySpace, how I predicted it back in May of 2011, and how it may actually come back. Anyway, we'll talk about all of that and so much more in this episode. Let's kick things off, though, by giving you my personal plug of the week. This week, I want to give a plug and a shout out to my good friend and podcast mastermind member, John Dumas. Now, John just launched his very first podcast, and it is not a small undertaking. Uh, John actually was inspired by a number of podcasts out there that do interviews of entrepreneurs. Uh, people who get on there with Andrew Warner over at Mixergy or David Siteman Garland over at therisetothetop.com. Rise to the you know, those kind of interviews. He's like, man, I, I was on my commute. I was listening to these. And, and I was always inspired by the things that they would share. And and the only thing is, is I I found these late in the game. Uh, and so there were already hundreds of episodes and and I found myself going through, you know, seven of these a week and I just ran out of them. I burned through them so fast. He said, I feel like there's this need to have that type of show and, you know, and a show where you're interviewing entrepreneurs, but that it's daily. Now, my own personal feeling about this, and I've shared this with my great friend John Dumas, is that I there's this fear that it might be overfeeding your audience, uh, that you create so much content, five interviews every single week, that all of a sudden people may not be able to consume that much information. Now, he's taken that into account, but he feels confident that there is a market out there for a lot of interviews. And, and folks... As a podcaster, you know how much goes into creating a single episode of a podcast, and he's wanting to do 5 high-quality podcast interviews per week. Well, I believe he's going to pull it off. Um I don't know how long it may and maybe I'm, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule, there's always a chance that you know there's this this massive audience out there of people who want to consume five episodes of this kind of content on a weekly basis and for John I certainly hope that it's it, it's the case. But if you want to check it out, Entrepreneur on Fire is my personal plug of the week and you can go and find it at entrepreneuronfire.com or and I love this, he actually has e o fire.com. E for entrepreneur, O for on, and then fire.com. Uh, he re- recognized, and, and, and it's true enough, everybody has seems to have a hard time spelling entrepreneur. It, it's it's not spelled the way you would think that it should be spelled. So um, entrepreneuronfire.com or eofire.com. I'm very happy to say that I was one of the uh, people that he interviewed to get things kicked off, and I'm episode number four. So if you wanna hear the interview that I did with him, you can go to entrepreneuronfire.com forward slash the number four, and it'll take you to the interview that I did with John. But anyway, I've listened to a couple of interviews, they're great, he has a wonderful format, brings out valuable information, runs a tight ship, high quality, both in content and in production value. And so I, that is why it is my personal plug of the week, entrepreneuronfire.com. Get your fire. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. Just go check it out. And if you like the show, give him a five-star review, uh, rating and re- review in iTunes, and make sure that you let him know that you heard about him from Podcast Answer Man. All right, moving along, I want to tell you about something that's happened between last week when I recorded episode 277 and this week recording here, two, episode 278, and that is feed burner. Oh my gosh, Friday morning I was blitzed with emails. I mean, now I normally get between 40 to 100 plus emails every single day. That that's I'm used to that. Um, so, you know, I can go to bed at, at you know, I, I can go to bed with inbox zero. I'm not kidding. I can go to bed at inbox zero and I can wake up in the morning and there's, you know, already 20, maybe 35 emails waiting for me that came in while I was sleeping at night. However, uh, and, and by the way, this was, this was still the case. Friday morning, I woke up 25, 30 emails, no big deal. And then I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out for a walk. And I did. I went out for an hour and i came back and my email inbox it was it was double what it was when i walked out and i mean normally the emails shuffle in you know a couple uh, probably about about 8 to 10 maybe 15 an hour but something happened while i was out for my walk and i noticed that there was this crazy amount of email and there were a crazy amount of twitter resp- or twitter at mentions and and facebook messages and linkedin messages and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, something's going on here. And sure enough, the world had ended. <laughs> the the sky had fallen. Or at least that's what you would think. Because everybody, it seems, was concerned that FeedBurner had shut down. Without any notice, FeedBurner had completely shut down. Um, now, of course, that's not the case. But I did get emails that were more like this. For example, I got one email. The subject line was, FeedBurner disaster. And it reads, I'm sure you've been inundated with emails by now about FeedBurner. Just wanted to give you another case where a feed, mine, has gone to zero subscribers. I really look forward to any info you can share on this. There's a lot of grim predictions going around about FeedBurner, and I know that you'll give us the facts. Thanks. A person on Twitter wrote, FeedBurner is broken this morning. And and it's getting me down. Cliff, any ideas? Another email wrote, I keep hearing rumblings about FeedBurner going away. How will this affect our podcasts? Any thoughts? I mean, so it's just, it was crazy, this buzz that was happening out there. Now, the thing is, is this is not new. FeedBurner, I've had people argue against the use of FeedBurner since 2006, um, I still use it today, I use it for all of my shows, I still teach it, um, and I don't see any indication, and I know people are going to disagree with me, uh, that I, I'm I'm going to use it until it goes away, I mean, it, it's a wonderful service, I love it, I, you know, and, and I, that's my opinion, that is my, it's what's worked for me, it's never failed me, personally, now, I will tell you that uh, a lot of this fear has been brought on lately by a, a competitor, a company that is a competitor to Google's Feedrunner, uh, a paid service called FeedBlitz. And you know, the guy that that's been doing this, he seems like he's nice enough. I know he's reached out to a couple of my friends. I won't mention any names, but I, I know he's reached out to my a couple of my friends and they're having one on one conversations with them and, and he's trying to help them get transitioned over to his service and and stuff like this. And he's in business. He's trying to sell his services and I get that. But you know, there there's one thing about, you know, saying, Hey, you know, why rely on this? But then there's another thing called fear mongering, you know, and, and and inciting panic in a community out there. At, where where I don't think panic is due. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't take lightly to fear mongering. You know, this is the reason why I don't watch Fox news or CNN and, and all these other things. I mean, and it's another reason why I don't watch the 11 o'clock or nightly news. It It's all about fear. It's all about bad. It's all about this, you know, and, and it's not to say that I, I duck my head under a cover and pretend the bad stuff doesn't happen. I know it's out there. I hear the most important things. They, they rise to the top the things that I need to know about. I mean, when things happen in Colorado with the shooting, I knew that instantly. Um, When, you know, I I mean, I I hear things. I I know I I get the most important stuff. And of course, when FeedBurner (laughs) has an issue where, and by the way, FeedBurner never had an issue this past week with anything uh, with your feeds being delivering the content for your podcast. It never went down. It was never interrupted. No service interruption whatsoever. The only thing that happened was on Friday, people woke up and of course, many podcasters against my incessant advice that you should not be addicted to your stats. The first thing podcasters seem to do as soon as they get out of bed, before they brush their teeth... Before they wipe the sleepies out of their eyes, they sign into Feedburner and check their stats. They sign into Libsyn and check their stats. They sign into Blueberry, check their stats. Their stats all, folks, you gotta get over this. Seriously, come on. But, um, you know, first thing, I mean, I, and I know it's the first thing these people are doing because the emails came in, it's like they got out of bed and boom, check FeedBurner, all their stats are zero, send Cliff an email. <laughs> That that seemed to be what happened, and um, sure enough, I the you know I I went in and I looked. At, I've got a lot of feed burner feeds. I've got a lot of podcasts, and um, all of my feed burner feeds. It said I had zero subscribers. Now the thing is, is lips and stats have never been accurate. I've always told people that there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't judge the size of your audience based upon feed burner stats. I'm not going to go into that here today. That's not the purpose of this segment, the purpose of this segment is to say that um, the fact that these stats went down all of a sudden got, you know, people up in arms. What's going to happen? And Of course, feed blitz didn't help. Um, you know, they they were out there telling people this is, you know, we told you the sky was falling you know the sky is falling hello you know the end of the mayan calendar is coming up feedburner is going away i mean okay i'm I, I now i'm going overboard i'm stretching it a little but you know that's that's the feeling i get it, it, it it's that message of you know the world's going to end you know is going away they're shutting down they're not shutting down um they are by the way feedburner is shutting down the api you know the 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 programming uh, functionality that allows other third-party services to kind of connect and, and use, you know, data, you know, get data from uh, FeedBurner and kind of use it in widgets and stuff like that. You know, if, third parties are no longer going to be able to do that. They, they just decided that there wasn't enough, you know, use of the, the API for them to continually keep it updated. Um, yes, uh, FeedBurner did shut down. Uh, a blog uh, for, you know, the FeedBurner or the AdSense for FeedBurner blog. They shut it down and they shut it down earlier this year. And the, they said, you know, it, it, it but they hadn't had a blog post in over a year. You know, nobody complained and said the sky was falling, FeedBurner shutting down just because they didn't post anything for a year. But all of a sudden, after they finally decide, you know what, we haven't used this blog for a year, we're going to shut it down. And on the same day, they also decided, you know what? We haven't posted anything on Twitter either. Let's go ahead and shut that down. Let, let's kind of clean things up, and, and and instead of having all of these different places where where people might be looking for information from us, let's shut those down and let's tell people. So on the Feedburner uh, for our AdSense for Feedburner blog, they said, hey, we're shutting things down. This blog is not no longer going to be active as of you know today. And then they posted that and then on their Twitter. And then they also said, hey, and we're shutting down this Twitter account. And and you would think the world had ended. I mean, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. It, Google's pulling everybody away. They're, they're, this is no longer a priority. This is just not true. It is not true. Okay? Now, FeedBlitz will be quick to point out that something happened with their FeedBurner.jp or their Japan FeedBurner Um Feed and yes, that is a big, massive mess up. And and what happened was, you know, just like we have Feedburner.com here today, they also had a special uh, version of Feedburner, Feedburner.jp, and that domain was for people who had RSS feeds in Japan. Google made the biggest mistake you could ever make as an internet-based company. They, my friends, forgot to renew their domain. Ugh, stupid, I know. But but you know what? I've seen this happen to other big companies, I, I, I bigger than Google. Uh, well, is that true? Is, I mean, okay. But it, as big as Google, I've seen people who, big corporations with literally millions of users, I've seen them not renew a domain on accident. Um and and pay lots of money to get it back. Now I don't know what happened with feedburner.jp, but yes, they they still don't have feedburner.jp. I don't know the the reasons why and stuff like that, but did did Google feedburner did Google drop the ball on that? Yes. Were were a lot of people affected by that? Yes. Is it the end of the world if if I was a podcaster in Japan and I used feedburner.jp, would it be the end of the world as I know it? No. Would I lose every single subscriber that I have? If you want to talk about technical subscribers, people who are subscribed to the RSS feed, would that, yeah, it would be lost. Yes. Would I lose all my subscribers? No. It's that, that anybody that says that to you is just flat out wrong, unless you're creating crappy content. If you're creating crappy content, yes, those people may have been subscribed to your feed, but they haven't been listening to you because you have crappy content. If you have can't live without content, then my friends, uh, if you release your podcast every single week by noon on Friday and it's two o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and and your podcast isn't out there. You should start getting emails from people saying, "Hey, is there something wrong with the RSS feed? Because I normally get this before I leave for or work for the weekend, and uh, you know, and and I just wanted to make sure before, so I could have your show sure to listen to." People notice when your show doesn't show up, and if all of a sudden, if two, if a week goes by and they haven't heard from you, if two weeks go by, I would say anybody who matters in your community is actually going to notice that you're missing. If you're so darn forgettable, then I, I I have some strong opinions, okay? Yes, does every single subscriber matter? Yes, they do. but here's the deal there you know people say you can't trust you can't trust your RSS feed to any third party service. Well, I'm sorry. You 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 can make that argument for everything. And and by the way, I have a uh, blog post about this at uh, podcastanswerman.com/slash/feedburnerfuture. All one word. podcastanswerman.com/forward/slash/feedburnerfuture. But anyway, you can make this argument. You know, you can't trust your DNS records with any third party service. You can't trust your hosting, your domain registration with any third party service cuz they they could screw something up. You can't trust your 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 website hosting with a hosting provider. I mean cuz they might have they might have a network card uh, that that goes out, and all of a sudden your your database is completely lost because their hard drive failed. You can't trust anybody with it. You know what? I don't know about you guys, but I'm using Google Apps for my email. Every email is in Google. I I trust Google. Okay. Do I has Google Mail ever gone down in the all the years that I've been using, which has been at least five years, I think. Yes, it's gone down, I think, once for 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. You know what I did? I went out and I took a walk. That's what I did. Or I went out to lunch. I came back. It was working again. So in my feed burner, you know, podcastanswerman.com slash feed burner future, podcastanswerman.com forward slash feed burner future blog post, I basically said, yes, there's no question there's a stats issue. I've gone in, I've made sure that if you were to go to create a brand new FeedBurner feed right now, you can create one. I've gone in to make sure that if you add a new podcast episode, FeedBurner does still update. There's nothing wrong with the functionality of FeedBurner. The fact that they shut down a blog po- a blog that they didn't update in a year means nothing. The fact that they shut down a Twitter profile that they weren't posting anything to doesn't mean anything. Yes, they had screwed up big time with the feedburner.jp but those kind of mistakes have happened to other corporations and you know what there's there's no guarantee that that won't happen with just about anybody out there i mean the, the this stuff is is real stuff now the thing is is i'd rather do do business with somebody who's already made that mistake once <laughs> because guess what i can bet you i guarantee you nobody over at Google is going to let feedburner.com that domain go away if I I would imagine they've probably changed their policy and every domain that they have is probably registered for the next 10 20 years Um, so I don't think that that's ever going to happen again I don't I don't understand this fear mongering that's going on out there and I don't understand this fear Uh, you know I understand people getting upset because their stats their stats aren't there but you know what here's the deal, I put in my blog post, I I wrote it on Friday morning, I said, check in Monday, you know, go out, enjoy your weekend, people, literally, forget about your stats, your podcast feeds are working fine, come back Monday, check your stats, well, guess what, they're working again, and guess what, FeedBurner updated their status Uh, Blog. They have you know feedburner feedburnerstatus.blogspot.com, and on uh, September 21st, they actually said, "Hey, we have a known issue about our subscriber counts. We're working on it. We'll get it resolved." Guess what they did? They updated that blog post and said, hey, by the way, all of your stats, we've resolved this issue, and all of your stats from September 18th through the 22nd have been restored for all accounts. Yeah, it doesn't sound to me like a company that shut down. It sounds to me like a company that recognized that they had a technical glitch, technical issue. They used a blog that's still open. No, they didn't use AdSense for FeedBurner blog, but yes, they used their stat- feedburnerstatus.blogspot.com blog to communicate to their users that yes, we are aware there's an issue, we're working on it. And then they said, you know what, we fixed it. And they did. And that's what that's what matters. As, as far as I'm concerned, people have been asking me, Cliff, will you give me your opinion on this? I've given you my opinion. I'm with FeedBurner. I'm not looking at switching. And I don't think there's any reason at all to fear. Um, If FeedBurner was ever going to go away, they would tell you. And the reason I know that they would tell you is because they've been telling us for, I think it's been a year now that they were going to degrade the API for FeedBurner. And they've actually officially given a day. I think it might be October 1st or October 20th. They're gonna shut down the API for Feedburner. That will not affect us. It will not affect us at all. So, so they're 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 letting you know, and they fixed this. So they've obviously got people working on it. I matter of fact, I I think this is the greatest thing that's happened to the whole Feedburner Fear Fiasco. There you go. Feedburner fear fiasco. Maybe that's the title of this episode. Anyway, I don't I think this is the greatest thing that's happened because now. We have documented proof that FeedBurner does have people out there working on this. They are willing to communicate to us when they have a problem and give us updates. Uh, and and I, I think it just puts it to rest. For me, maybe not for you, but for me, it is. So those, my friends, are my thoughts on this idea of FeedBurner. Now, hey, in my comment section today, I know, of course, if you go there, I gosh, let me look real quick. Does it if, if I go to podcastanswerman.com, I want to just see real quickly, there's seventy-seven comments. So obviously, people did not take my advice of going out and enjoying your weekend, coming back Monday and realize that everything'll be fixed. All right. They they did not take my advice. There are 77 comments in there uh, as of right now. And I'm sure it'll probably continue to go up because comments are still coming in. But instead, I, I do want to tell you a, a comment came in today from Deb. And Deb actually posted a question in the comment that actually had nothing to do with FeedBurner, uh, but has a great question that I thought would be good for Podcast Answer Man here. So here's what Deb recently posted. Here's exactly what she wrote. She says, I'm just about to pull the trigger and get a Libsyn account for podcasting. But I got this new offer from my web hosting company, DreamHost, and wondered what you all thought of it. They say... And this is their word for word, she's quoting, Unlike traditional web hosting where monthly pricing is fixed and resources are unlimited, pricing for dream objects is, is usage-based. You only pay for data that you store on our servers and the amount of data that is transferred from them. Storage cost starts at $0.07 per gigabyte. Amazon S3, by the way, starts at 12 and scales all the way down to 40 or 4.4 cents uh, per gigabyte, depending on just how much data you choose to store with us. Outbound transfer costs are fixed at 7 cents per gigabyte. And she also says it says all beta users will have access to free trial a free trial period lasting two whole months. During that time, you'll not incur any charges as long as you as long as you store less than ten gigabytes of data and tra- transfer out less than twenty gigabytes. Now, uh, oh, and it, by the way, it also says this: it says, and more than ten, anything more than ten or and twenty, kind of tests the limit of the term trial and will incur seven cents per gigabyte coverage charges, both for storage and outbound data transfer. So she asks, "Does anybody have any thoughts about starting with this as opposed to Libsyn?" Now I am going to talk about your idea of using this DreamHost, you know, object-based, whatever they're calling this. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna equate this with using Amazon S3. Amazon S3 also has, you know, that whole you know pay per gigabyte model, and. When you're first starting out, it obviously sounds like a great deal. Um, you're, you, you know, when you've got 50 subscribers, 100 subscribers, your shows are... Let's just say you've got an hour-long show. It's 50 minutes per episode. you got a couple shows up there. Yeah, you're going to save some money. You know, you, you sign over for a flat fee over at Libsyn. You might pay 20 bucks a month or 25 bucks a month. And with this cost scenario, you're going to be down as low as... I don't know. You could get by with like four or five bucks a month. Isn't that great? Saving lots of money there. However, uh, let's say this. And by the way, I gave her stats on just one of my accounts. I actually have several accounts with um, with uh, Lipson because I, I produce a lot of content. We've got more than 3,000 podcast episodes online and I'm still putting out about three to five a week uh, new episodes online every week. So, um, i have lots of accounts but anyway i he, i'm this, this is real data from my own one of my accounts so here's the deal let's say you have you average 60000 downloads per month now if you do four episodes a week that's only or right, well, hold on so 6 uh nah, 60 divided by 4 that's 15000 okay good so if you do sixty thousand, that that just means that you have fifteen thousand downloads per episode. I know, I know. Okay, you're thinking, but there, I don't, I'm nowhere close to that. My question is, do you aspire to? You know, is you know, what if what if you do more episodes? What if you're John Dumas and you're gonna do five episodes a week? Um, but anyway, let, but here's the deal. I'm at a place right now where one of my accounts, uh, actually, I have more than one that is near this level of activity. But anyway, I have one that is 60,000 downloads per month. Okay, my average file size is 50 megabytes. 50 megabytes times 60,000 is 3 million megabytes. 3 million megabytes is the equivalent of 2,929.69 gigabytes, 20, 2929, all right, 2,929.69 gigabytes per month of bandwidth. If I was paying $0.07 per gigabyte, I'd be paying $205 and $205.08 per month. So seven cents per gigabyte times two thousand nine hundred twenty nine point uh, six nine gigabytes is two hundred and five dollars per month and eight cents. All right, with Libsyn, okay, let's just say I'm uploading four fifty megabyte files per month, no problem at all. Or let's just say it's it's eight, uh, or it's eight. Uh, 30 or 825 megabyte files it doesn't matter the, the math all works out to be the same but you could actually get their $40 per month account $40 per month account you'll have plenty of space to upload all that same content and it's flat fee guaranteed you're going to pay $40 a month every month so if I average 60,000 downloads per month I am going to pay how much per month with Lipson? $40 If I average 200,000 downloads per month, I'm going to pay $40. If I average 500,000 downloads per month, I pay $40. $40, that's it, flat fee. Now, let's just take it back to that 60,000 because that's where this one account that I'm looking at is. 60,000 downloads per month with Libsyn, $40. With the $0.07 per gigabyte offer from DreamHost, $205.08 per month. That means I would save $1,980.96 per month. Almost $2,000 a year in savings with Libsyn, which, by the way, PowerPress uh, or Blueberry over there has an equivalent service. The fact is, is flat fee is the only way to go in my mind. Flat fee, flat fee, flat fee, flat fee, flat fee, flat fee. Yes, pay for your me- pay for your web host. Yes, I am saying pay for an additional hosting provider just for your media files. The things where your bandwidth is going to go out the roof. Eventually, even if you only have a thousand downloads per month, you're eventually going to you're just going to eventually wish that you could do this. Now, here's the deal. Podcast Answer Man, I'm on episode 278. Here's what I can tell you right now. I know this to be a fact. This is not any kind of exaggeration. This week, this week, in the next seven days, there will be five people who find Podcast Answer Man and this episode right here that you're listening to my voice, this episode is going to be those five people, this will be their first episode they've ever listened to. And those five people, those same five, there are going to be more people this week than five people. I'll get more than five new listeners this week. But five of the new people that this is their first episode, five people are going to download all 277 prior episodes. Five. Okay. So let's see here. That's 277 times 50 That right there my friends is 13,850 megabytes per person times five people. Folks, I'm going through a lot of bandwidth and I'm playing a fat, not a fat fee, a thin flat fee. That's what I like, I like thin flat fees. There you go. All right, so that's my answer to Deb. I would strongly advise against Amazon S3. I would strongly advise uh, putting your media MP3 files on that Dreamhost account. Now for your website, that's a whole different story. As long as you're not throwing your mp3 files on there, it go right ahead. And if anybody wants more thoughts on my thoughts on hosting and stuff like that, head over to podcastanswerman.com/ hosting podcastanswerman.com slash hosting, and if you're looking at DreamHost, my recommendation is instead of that, look at Bluehost. Um, I have a great affiliate relationship with them, but the reason I recommend them and I do have an affiliate relationship with them is because I know, like, and trust them. They're shared hosting, but all of that is spelled out completely in detail. Don't do anything until you go to podcastanswerman.com slash Hosting. All right, I'm gonna move on next to my interview tip. I told you at the beginning of the show, if you apply this one interview tip, and it applies to you, then it will drastically improve your interviews. I was recently recently listening to a great friend of mine. I won't I won't call out any names. I have lots of friends. Uh, actually, I have very few friends, but that's a whole nother story. No, I'm just kidding. But I I do have some friends out there who podcast, and I was listening to this person's show, and. It was an interview, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is not fun to listen to at all." I mean, it was it was actually really bad. Um, and and here's 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 the tip: when you're doing an interview and you ask a question, or you get the person that you're interviewing uh, started, and and they're kind of going on with a story, be silent. Seriously. Be silent, bite your tongue. Refuse to make a sound. No sound at all. Here's here's the thing. Um this friend of mine, the, the the guest on the show was talking, and every sentence the guest was saying at the end of it, mm-hmm, yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like every single sentence. uh, You know how when we read you put or when you type, you put a period. Right. But when we speak, we don't speak periods. Well, it was almost as though this the host actually felt like they needed to emphasize that this is the end of one sentence. It's like every single statement needed to be registered as, oh, yeah, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every single sentence ended with one of those, and not to mention the fact there was not only that going on, but this person also interrupted the guest to complete their sentences several times, or to. Take it in a different direction. Now, occasionally, your, your guest can be a very talkative person, especially if you were to interview me. I'm a talkative person. Occasionally, you'll need to kind of rein me in and say, hey, let's talk about something else, okay, and and, and and stuff like that. But don't, every single time I say something, go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, right, yep, mm-hmm, through the whole interview. So anyway, my recommendation, now from now on when you're listening When you're listening to interviews out there, listen for people who do this and see if it isn't annoying to you. And notice the people who don't do it. Notice the people who out there will ask their guest a question and will let them talk for three or four minutes nonstop and you'll never hear the host say a word or make a sound. And what you're doing is you're allowing your guest to have the spotlight to have the microphone, to take over and share a story without any interruptions. I can tell you right now that the interview was not something I finished listening to. I did not. And there were several times where the guest was going down a path in the story. I was annoyed that every sentence had to be quote-unquote emphasized with a mm-hmm or a, yeah and a right I was listening though, I was trying to stay focused on what the person was saying. They were getting ready to to kind of complete and bring a story to this this great, you know, resolution and then all of a sudden the 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 inter- my friend interview or uh, interjected a thought and it was and yes, it was applicable and stuff like that, but all of a sudden it completely took them down a completely different path and I never got to the end of the original story. And I don't know if they got to it at the end of the episode because, well, I turned it off. So my interview tip that will drastically help you is if you would not say a word when people are talking. At, if you, I mean, you, inter, you invite them on your show to cu- let them talk. Let them talk. That's my interview tip. There you go. All right. One other thing I want to share with you before we go to our social media segment is the podcast awards are coming up starting October 1st through the 15th. Nominations will be opening. Go to podcastawards.com. You can see it there. Now, if you want to nominate Podcast Answer Man or any of the other shows that I produce, there you only get one shot at nominating. You only get one shot at this. So once you submit your nomination form, you're done. That is it. So take sure sh- make make sure that you you get the shows nominated that you want to, and also to get nominated to officially get any of my shows nominated, it helps if all of you are putting my shows in the same category as each other um and and you know stuff like that. So if you want to see my recommendations on where to nominate which shows, um go to gspn.tv forward slash 2012 awards. All together. Gspn.tv forward slash 2012 awards. All right, my friends, it is time to turn things over to our social media correspondent Eric J. Fisher, who's been standing by. Eric what do you got for us this week, my friend? Well, this week we're going to talk about MySpace. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I <laughs> I predicted the return of MySpace back in July of last year. I, I'm looking forward to that. But I think you got something else you want to talk about first, though.
1: Yeah, well, the the rumor is that basically some of the CEO people at Twitter have said stuff along the lines of, yeah, we need to figure out a better metric of measurement of some sort than just the follower count. So the, and cl- so the rumor is that they may be doing away with that.
0: So, so basically the Twitter followers is possibly a thing of the past. Is that what we're hearing?
1: That's, that's the rumor mill. I can't say without, con- you know, I can't say any kind of confirmation or, you know, one way or the other that that will or won't happen, but that's what a lot of people are speculating based on the statement.
0: So the idea from the article that you shared was that the CEO is saying that really just how many people are following your profile is not really a good metric for how uh, engaged your community is. It's kind of like what, it, it, you know, clout came along and answered you know, this, this thing, of course, clout says, give us your credentials for Twitter. We'll go through and based upon our algorithms, we'll give you a score that kind of says how, how influential you are. uh, At least measuring
1: online influence, influence to a certain extent, because it can't truly ever measure all your online influence. And it doesn't take into account offline influence for that matter.
0: Well, that's, that's true, but it, but again, it does give some kind of criteria on, you know, you could have 80,000 followers and have a lower clout score than somebody like me who has 9,000 followers. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. There, well, there are people that have tens of thousands more followers than I do, but my clout score is only like 10 less than them.
0: Right. So Or, or you're, there are some people who have that many followers, and quite honestly, they paid for them, their, their bot accounts or fake accounts a lot, there's a lot of tools out there these days to kind of actually go in and search to find out how many fake accounts actually follow your profile, or you can go find it out on other people. So if you suspect that, you know, maybe somebody's just emailed you and they just want to offer you this opportunity of a lifetime, they've, you know, they're, they're really a fan of your work, blah, blah, blah. They want to partner with you and, hey, look at what I've been able to accomplish and if you want to, you can, you know, there's, there's, there are services out there where you can pop their Twitter ID right into this account and it will go and say, eh, you know what, 70% of the people, 70% of those 85,000 people that are following them on Twitter, they're fake. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I understand we're all going to have maybe some fake spam accounts that followed us. And, it, you know, these services, it depends on how many, you know, what their criteria is for what a quote-unquote fake account is. And and maybe what some of those criteria are, you know, the there's no uh, avatar. It's got the default image. It's never been updated with a profile picture. Uh, another one is that maybe this account hasn't tweeted in more than 90 days or something like that. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of people who, over the years, Heard you and I talking about Twitter, signed up for it, used it for a couple weeks, followed both of us, never updated their Twitter profile, and decided it wasn't for them, which is perfectly fine. And of course, you don't have to go in and delete those. And so those may register as a fake account. But those are what we would call a false positive. And if 2% or maybe even 1% or 5%, you could see that. But when you start getting and you see somebody has got 30%, 40%, 50%, of their followers are fake, that usually means that they've done something uh, such as pay people to go and get them followers. Have you heard about this? I have heard about this. And in fact,
1: not without, you know, to, without going all political, that's actually been something that's been a speculation uh, towards both of the final presidential candidates this coming, this year for the election has been, you know, have they purchased fake followers? Fit Twitter followers to to bump up their social clout, so to speak. Oh,
0: exactly, and of course, clout score would help. You know, kind of you know alleviate some of that through their algorithm. But Twitter is saying, you know, maybe we ought to rethink this idea of publishing online your Twitter account, your you know the number of people who follow you, uh, because I, I think Twitter realizes and recognizes that so many people. Are fixated and and overly concerned by how many followers they have. That that is, it it's it's it seems to be like some kind of human nature of competition or something like that, where people feel like they're more valuable or seen as more valuable than more people they have following them, and and again trying to impress people. You know, you know, for me, you know, sometimes I. I I say, hey, look, take a look and see online. I Sometimes somebody who hasn't ever heard of me before and they say, you know, so tell me a little bit about what you've been able to accomplish online. And I say, well, if you go and look, you'll see on Twitter I have I'm connected to these people on Facebook. I'm connected to these people on LinkedIn. I'm connected to these people. But unlike some people, the, the truth is, is that those are all organic people who chose to follow me. I didn't do anything. You know, crazy. I mean, I, I could have hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers if I wanted them uh, there. I know how to get them. I know how to get them without paying for them. But I choose actually and, and to be uh, let's just put it out here. I've done some crazy. I haven't paid for Twitter followers before, but I've done things in the past that, quote unquote, inflate your Twitter follower account. But right. Uh, I've done it uh, just part of it to impress others. Bray hat type stuff. <laughs> yeah. and as they would say in the SEO world. But part of it to, to kind of boost my numbers so I feel mm-hmm. better about myself. I, I'll admit it. Yeah, uh, confession. I've done the same thing. So, but the thing is, is since then I've gone in and deleted all of those accounts. Anybody that, you know, I, matter, there are tools out there that um, allow you to go in and look at all your followers and evaluate them and determine who you do interact with and don't interact with. And for me, over the last 18 to 24 months, Twitter isn't so much for me to impress anyone, but for me to connect relationally with other people. And of course, we talked a couple of weeks back, for me, I've I've dropped down the number of people that I follow, and I have gone in and cleared that up. Before we go further into this conversation, I just thought of something, Eric. I wonder if next week, if we can't go over uh, a list of tools to manage the your twitter account as far as cleaning up your dms uh going in and checking for spammers people who abuse twitter by tweeting 50 times a day there's a whole bunch of tools we used to talk about this in a show that we did called social media serenity what do you think about that there's
1: a good there's a to be honest uh, and i can give you probably five off the top of my head that are just my go-to so yeah we can definitely do that
0: so let's do that let's plan on that next time we get together for a social media segment here on Podcast Answer, and that will be our topic. Great. But let's continue back. So so Twitter is thinking about maybe no longer publishing that follower account. What do you think about this?
1: Uh, Well, to be honest, part of me for my day job actually measures to see that we have continually more people following the university's Twitter account, as well as measuring it up against a certain segment of our competitors, and that's smart business to, I mean, if you have that data on you and your competitors, and you can measure that, and you can see what they're doing versus what you're doing, that's just plain smart. However, if they take away that number, we have to figure out a different way to decide if what we're doing is still worthwhile on Twitter, and that's why I would suggest that... um, One of the things that, I mean, if they were to do away with the number, for me personally, for my personal account, it would probably take away the one last thing that I sometimes will, you know, I've worked through the issues, trust me. I don't look at my Twitter follower account every day, like the count number, but I do from time to time. It's like, hey, I'm up a bunch of numbers, cool. Or, oh, it looks like it's not grown very much. I don't want to think about it. I just want to interact, and I just want to do what I'm doing and do it well. But when there's a number, it's like, oh, is the I mean, the, is the needle going one way or the other? Am I doing something wrong? It's the self consciousness of it. So, if they take the number away, I won't mind. Right. What I will do in my day job is I will, uh, and and I think this is in Twitter's best benefit, and I hope that if they do get away get rid of the number, whether they make it to where other people can't see it and only only you can in your dashboard behind the scenes. That's one way of doing it. But I think that they need to add in, naturally built into Twitter, better ways to track analytics much like Facebook does, where you can see the amount of shares. You can see how many people liked it. You can see how many people saw that post or or read that post, etc., Facebook's got Twitter beat on this one.
0: Yeah. And I've heard that, that if they get rid of the follower count, they may replace it with something more along the lines of, you know, the the number of people that you, you know, that are regularly interacting with you through various means and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's too early to tell. I just thought that you know it, 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 it's a story that's new in the news um, the ceo of twitter what's i don't even know who the ceo is This I forget <laughs> anyways it, but he's 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 out there making all kinds of announcements and talking to people uh i heard something just in passing i didn't even read the article i just saw it in as a headline in mashable something about they're getting serious about entering into the e-commerce space with twitter interesting I don't know if you saw that one or not, but I, I like I said, I didn't read the story, but um, I I remember, uh, gosh, it was probably three years ago. I heard everybody saying, "I know how Twitter can monetize. Twitter could monetize by becoming the next, you know, pay, you know, pay online service because everybody yeah. has one." And blah it, blah blah. It was it was Ev Williams, Evan Williams. Is Ev the one who, who said, said it? it? Yep. Oh well, he's not the CEO CEO anymore, is he? No. Okay, anyway. Co-founder. Yes, he's the co-founder. So. Alrighty, so anyway, that that's enough about Twitter for now. Um, we don't have any more information than that. Just thought we'd bring it up. But uh, there is something very interesting. Now, uh, we mentioned. I mentioned it just a moment ago, but you and I, Eric, we used to do a show called Social Media Serenity, which if anybody wants to, they can find it back uh, at socialmediaserenity.com. There's a lot of backdated information there, a ton of valuable social media stuff like we share here on our social media updates, but uh, full hour-long episodes most of the time. Anyway, uh, back in May of 2011, we discussed the fact that MySpace was for sale. Do you remember what I said back then?
1: You said that some high-profile person was going to pick it back up, they were going to purchase MySpace, and they were going to revive it.
0: Exactly. It was, it was on sale for $100 million. And I told you, I said, you know, maybe we could do a little fundraiser because I would buy it. I, I would buy it. I think that there is value. And even though I was in the minority, uh, you know, many people said, Cliff, there's no way. MySpace is beyond dead. It's in the grave, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, absolutely not. It is worth $100 million because of the number of users it has. Before there was before there was Facebook, there was MySpace, and MySpace was way ahead of the game as far as the number of users, active users, than my than Facebook. Now, of course, uh, when Rupert Murdoch, I believe, bought it, right, uh, it all went really downhill. And to be honest with you, MySpace was the ugliest certain social network you'd ever seen in your life, anyway, and it was filled with glitter art, uh, and and. and animated gifs and all this other junk so it wasn't a great place and it's, and facebook gave us something a little bit cleaner and nicer and a lot of people moved over but the fact is is i still have a MySpace account i don't ever go to it but i still have it and so do millions and millions of other people and i said man if somebody were to buy this thing 100 million dollars i think is a great investment uh All you need to do is clean it up, give it a new wonderful graphical interface, put some limitations on what sparkly graphics people could put on there. And the fact is, is this is the number one place on the web or had been the number one place on the web for artists, independent artists to put their albums online, to be that social space where people can come and listen to free songs, purchase albums. Man, there's so much potential there. And I said, It
1: was the first social network I had ever heard of. And I didn't even know what a social network was at the time.
0: Yeah. And back in the lost podcast days, that that's it if you go to myspace.com slash cliff and steph, C-L-I-F-F-A-N-D, S T E P H, MySpace.com slash Cliff and Steph, we it's still there. In fact, um They're broadcasting live I'm from I'm there broadcasting, broadcasting right now. live from Myspace right now. I have UStream embedded on there and it has been there. I I don't know if anybody ever goes to that profile, but just in case, it's there. I I syndicate my tweets to MySpace ever since I I had that ability. I knew that this space was gonna come back, and in May of 2011, when it was up for sale for $100 million, I said somebody's gonna buy it, and I wish it could be me, but I would only do it if I could get another high-profile person. So that, and by the way, that was episode number 88 of Social Media Serenity, uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes here today, which, by the way, this is uh, episode 278 of Podcast Answer Man. So you can go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 278, and it will give you a link to these uh, links that I'm telling you about. So I predicted MySpace is going to come back. I think you were skeptical of my my positive viewpoint, I believe, weren't you?
1: Honestly, I can't remember at this point. I thought it was possible, but I didn't think it was probable.
0: Right. And I think that's probably what you said. I haven't gone back and listened to the episode. However, on July 7th, 2011, we did episode 97 of Social Media Serenity, and we talked about the fact that Justin Timberlake takes ownership uh, uh, an ownership of um a share of MySpace. So basically, he was one of the investors who paid a hundred million plus dollars for MySpace and uh, he owns, owner. he's got ownership stake and that, my friends, just, if, if there's anybody to take MySpace and fix it and bring it back from the dead, and we are talking about dead, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be Justin Timberlake. He would be the perfect person to do it. And, I believe, my friends, it's on its way. Go to new.myspace.com and check out the video. So have you checked out the video, Eric? I did. What did you think?
1: Um, I thought, well, this looks pretty interesting. It looks... My first uh, impression was this is... As far as the UI goes and the graphical elements, it looked like a cross between... Facebook and Pinterest,
0: only cleaner. Yes. If that makes sense. Pinterest was definitely something that stood out in my mind as soon as I saw the layout. And the other thing is that Pinterest, it's, it's a mixture between Facebook, Pinterest, and... What was great with MySpace, and I and I will say yeah,
1: that it, it does have. It feels like an element of MySpace is still there,
0: and the element of MySpace that's still there is the music scene. That yeah, that's not just the, the music.
1: I think like all different. I mean, they even say
0: that on the the, the space. The the, yeah. the the brands. It's it's yeah, it's brand.
1: It it's. I mean, even when you get when you go there, it says hello, welcome. This is MySpace. We're hard at work building the new MySpace entirely from scratch, but we're staying true to our roots in one important way, empowering people to express themselves however they want. So whether you're a musician, photographer, filmmaker, designer, or just a dedicated fan, we'd love for you to be part of our new brand. Sorry, I read that wrong, but that would have made sense. We'd love for you to be part of our brand new community, but it would have been cool to say new brand community.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I think this is awesome. I put my email. I still have an account with them. I put my email address in to be notified as soon as they release the new MySpace because I and, and I predicted this in May of 2011. I predicted that MySpace would come back and it would be among one of the top mentioned discussed social networks once again on top of its game. And I believe it's going to happen. And there's a potential that I might, <laughs> it wouldn't take too much, but I might actually like the new MySpace more than Google+. I, I knew
1: you were going there. <laughs> so anyway. I was going to say, the, the climate is about right. With with things that we've talked about with Twitter and some, of, some people's uneasiness there, and the ebb and flow of the Facebook stock stuff that's been going on, as well as people say the the argument back and forth between Google Plus is a ghost town. Google Plus is not a ghost town. It's the best social network ever. MySpace is prime to make a comeback.
0: It is, and so. and especially I love that you know, it, it, as a podcaster, I'm wondering if I will have tools to be able to take and and share my podcast episodes easily and embed them in my social network so that you know Facebook is you know constantly trying to take away the audio player functionality uh, unless you have apps and stuff like that but I want built in nobody has to install anything just go to my MySpace profile boom click a play button and yeah you're hearing the most recent episode of my podcast right there and every member on MySpace can it can listen to it can comment on it can participate share it all of that stuff i think I, I think there's great potential and and i'm looking forward i can't believe it i'm looking forward to the return of MySpace. space part of me, dun, me wonders, dun, dun, dun. part of
1: me wonders uh how much of this is just justin timberlake still playing out his role from the movie the social network
0: you think <laughs> <laughs> Well, with Justin Timberlake behind it, I think that I think it's in good hands. I, I think that that was one of the big things that that it needed is somebody who understood social media, who has basically clout in in the mainstream world, but also in the geek world. And yeah, and he's I think he's got it. I think he's got it. He's got the Rolodex. Um, he's, he's got all the things to make it happen. And, and so very exciting stuff. Anyway, Eric, next week we're going to come here and we're going to talk about different tools to to manage your Twitter. We'll give tools on how to find out if your followers are fake or not, how to clean up your DMs, how to get rid of those annoying people who do nothing but retweet, how to get rid of people who, um, you know, tweet 20 times a day. Uh, People who only promote links and really never say anything other than link to this, link to that, link to that. There's so many different metrics that you can choose to actually clean up the number of people you follow and the number of people who quote unquote follow you to kind of clean that out as well. So uh, next week, that's what we're going to talk about. Looking forward to it. And real quick, one uh, minute to plug your show. I want to make sure people know that you are like up in the top of the ranks for yeah, your, my for your my podcast. claim to
1: fame right now is I had a screenshot where in business it was Dave Ramsey, followed by Entree Leadership, followed by Beyond
0: the To Do List. And, and that just blew me away. That is awesome. People can find your podcast at beyond the to do list.com, right? Yes. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Cliff. See you later. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. I just want to say thank you for tuning in each week. It is a blessing, a joy, an honor, and a privilege to have you as a subscriber. I hope that you didn't get too caught up into the feed burner fear fiasco. I wonder if I'll remember to write that down as the title of this episode. But anyway, if you did, just just relax. Know that everything is all good and uh, all is right in the world of podcasting these days. Hey, my friends, I want to let you know that podcasting A to Z, my current course is in full swing. We fired it up this Monday and I ended up having 15 students in the class anyway, which is really good. Uh, I do want to let you know my next session is going to start on November 26th. That's right. We're starting the week after Thanksgiving and uh, we'll wrap up before Christmas time. So four weeks, you can still get your podcast launched before the end of this year, if that's been your goal for 2012 to get launched, why not sign up today? You can go to podcastinga2z.com. Podcastinga2z.com. Use promo code P-A-M in the shopping cart. You'll get $100 off the cost of the course and immediate access to all the tutorials. Every single one of my tutorials. You can have all the way... I mean, if you were to sign up today, you would have between now and November 26th to work on everything you can and just compile a big old list of questions to pile on me uh, come November 26th. So if you're interested in that next course, it's coming up um, on Monday, November 26th. Sign up today at podcastinga2z.com. Use promo code P-A-M in the shopping cart. And then of course also want to say thank you to those of you who are using my Bluehost affiliate link to sign up for your Bluehost account. Every time you do that, I get a wonderful commission from Bluehost, a very generous one. If you want to, you can go over to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. That's where you'll find my Bluehost affiliate link there. But anyway, special thanks to bestfuturestartsnow.com, letstalkjapan.com, Walt, Ford.com and Michael Wildman Photography.com. So, all four of those individuals used my affiliate link this past week to sign up for a Bluehost hosting account. Very excited to see that. Thank you all so much for using my Bluehost affiliate link. Also, speaking of uh, affiliate links, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who have been using my affiliate links for B&H Photo. um, I've got already $16,000 in sales from you guys. Thank you so much for purchasing a total of $16,000 worth of equipment using my affiliate link at B&H Photo. It's a huge blessing. If you want, go to podcastanswerman.com. There's a banner there that will give you that link. Anyway, thank you all so much. God bless you all. I'll be back again next week. Until then, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.